Three, two, one. It's your boys. What is up, guys? This is Trey Cornwell with the Steadfast Devotion Podcast, and today we have a very special episode coming with you. John Calvin, you're the editor. Make sure you don't edit anything that just happened out. It's going to be a super special episode with brother Johnny B. Bankins. What's up? What's up? And to my right, we got a great man of God, someone that I look up to dearly, brother Caleb Herring. Brother Herring, say what's up. Hello. Brother Herring is from... Where are you from? Bogalusa, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You can't get there from here. Mm-hmm. And Brother Bankins, he's from Lake Charles. Lake Charles, Louisiana. Can't so get there from here. You can't get there from here. Not without going through Lake Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Today we got we got a treat for you. But before that, I want to make sure that you guys like the Steadfast Devotion podcast. Follow us on all social media platforms. Not only that, but we do have merch coming out, and we just dropped it. And I thank you to all of those that have bought the merch. Um, we're just super excited about what the future holds for the Steadfast Devotion podcast. We are currently live in five other countries besides America right now. Wow. So I want to give a shout out to the Philippines. I want to give a shout out to Brazil. I want to give a shout out to New England. All of these places, which we, we, we couldn't ever expect that to happen, but we had two guys that had a dream and had a vision and we stuck to the goal. And John Calvin, I want to give you a great shout out. I want to give you honor. Thank you for all your hard work that yeah. you put into the Steadfast Devotion podcast. But let's just get to the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. We got, once again, Brother Caleb Herring with us to our right and Brother, Brother Bankins, who's on staff at FPC Wichita. And first of all, I want to give you honor because Brother Herring had come in and had <clears throat> preached our Kansas Youth Conference, which was incredible we had a we had a move of god saturday a friday night and saturday morning yeah um and so i want to i want to give you honor thank you for being obedient to the holy ghost yes. thank you for coming and and doing what god has sent you for uh we know you're a busy man obviously and uh i mean we don't take it lightly that you would come and join us here in kansas so oh, man. it was an honor i want to give you honor it's an honor um we like i said bro we we've been we've been with brother heron for how many days? A couple of days now, and he's been dropping just little, what do you call them? Little nugs. Nugs of wisdom. The nugs. And on so us. today we have no script. We're just going <clears> to <throat> flow with the Holy Ghost. And we've been talking about some very uh, deep and personal things, but uh, I, I, I believe that tonight somebody is going to hear a word that you have been waiting to hear <clears throat> For a couple months now, I believe that there's going to be a word that goes forth that touches your heart, mm-hmm. that touches your soul. And before we do anything, I want to I want to pray before we get started. And I want everybody to get rid of any distractions. I, I, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you might be in the car, in your home. doesn't matter where you are. We're going to pray real quick and just let the Holy Ghost start flowing Amen. in this podcast. So, Lord, I pray in the name of yes, Jesus, Lord, God, that this Jesus, podcast, Lord, would now, reach Lord. into somebody, so you Lord, time, that needs God, help, oh, Lord, that is desperate podcast, for a word God. from God. God, I pray that we'd be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I pray that you'd anoint Brother Herring and anoint Brother Bankins and anoint myself, God, that we may speak, oh Lord, the words that you want us to speak. Let it be your words and not our words. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We went to La Hacienda 
which is a Mexican restaurant in Derby. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get too serious, I want to let you know that Mexican food and Brother Herring, uh, they don't mix. Uh, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into the word, bro. Let's not get sidetracked. <laughs> But we was at La Hacienda, and he said a statement uh, that that I that that really started that really ministered to me. And you said that before you can know who you are, you've got to know who you're not. Right. Yep. Right. So w- w- when you say that, who who are you speaking to? And specifically, who who are you speaking to when you say that? Well, that statement. Uh, first and foremost, I'm speaking to myself. Yeah. Um. But that statement is probably one of the most broadest statements that uh, that I think anyone could ever make. Absolutely, because the greatest, one of the greatest gifts God has given us is our individuality. Come on now, there's there's never going to be another Trey Cornwell. There's That's never right. going to be another Jonathan Bankins. There's never right. going to be another Caleb Herring. That's mm-hmm. right. And so that is a gift that we need to take very seriously. Absolutely, and you and you travel, uh, you. you you travel quite a bit. You're in revival right now in Abilene, Texas. Correct. And um, but but you you've been all across America and you've ministered to, uh, I mean you name it, all kinds of youth groups. Right. And when 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 you go into a a, a youth conference or you go to a youth camp, uh, a lot of times you you like to pick apart you know what what that youth group is dealing with. Right. And um, a lot of times in our youth, especially, I know that statement that you make. Is very uh, specifically pointed towards the youth, right? Because we're blessed. Our generation is blessed to have people that have came before us and have paved our way. Amen. And we've seen their success, and now it's almost as if we're trying to emulate everything that they do. And there's nothing wrong with taking bits and pieces from people's sure, ministries, sure. right? You know, I sure. uh, I, I ride with <clears throat> Brother Bankins on Bible study. See, Brother Bankins right now is teaching 27 Bible studies a week. Yep. He's ministering to, uh, and that's not just individuals. That's twenty-seven different groups different and individuals. Lessons. Yeah. So he he's a busy man, and he and he, uh, he he's very successful in ministry, and so obviously I see the success in Brother Bankins, and I try to take what works for him and kind of implant it in myself. Make sure. it your own. Sure, that's right. But like you said, I can never be. A, a brother Bankins, right? I can never be a Bishop Morrell Cornwell. I can only be a Trey Cornwell, right? That's right. You 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 can't be a, a brother Barnes or a or a brother Mangan. You got to be a Caleb Herring, right? And the same thing goes with brother Bankins. His grandpa is uh, Pastor Creel, who's mm-hmm. who's passed away, but was a great man of God and was a pioneer pioneers, yeah. for the apostolic mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. And brother Bankins can't be his be his grandpa. Nope. He's got to be brother Bankins. That's right. And right. so, like you were saying, you got to know who you are. <clears throat> Or you got to know who you're not before you can know who you are. Right. Absolutely. Well, the point of reference with that is is Moses. When you study the life of Moses, he spent 40 years in Midian. That's right. Leading the the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Right. And he stumbled across a burning bush, and, and we all know this story. And God spoke to him and said, I am that I am. And it was at that moment that he was called to become the pastor of the nation of Israel. Mm. But before Moses ever discovered who he was, mm-hmm. he had to first decide within himself who he was not. Long before he ever stumbled across a burning bush, 
long before God ever gave him the revelation right, of right. the I am that I am. That's right. Moses said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of young people that deal with a lot of frustration because they're trying to be something they're not. That's right. And the reason they're trying to be something they're not is because they haven't decided who they're not yet. That's mm-hmm. right. Before you can know who you are, you have to know who you're not. I may not know uh, if I'm going to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or pastor or teacher I may not know if I'm going to be a missionary or a, uh, have a campus ministry or start a piece in. Mm-hmm. I may not know what mm-hmm. I'm going to be. I may not know who I am, yeah. but I know who I'm not. Right. And I'm not an Egyptian. Right. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in this world. Oh, yeah. But I'm not of this world. Yeah. That's exactly right. And when you can decide who you're not, you'll eventually step into the revelation of who you are. And you, you know, it also took him uh, before God revealed to him, I am that I am. Um, it took him to the burning bush and the spirit of God said, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. The shoes that he walked to that bush in were the shoes of rejection. They were the shoes of the son of Pharaoh's daughter. They were the shoes of a adopted Egyptian in the palace. They were the shoes of all of these things. And but Moses had already made up in his mind I'm not all of these things. I just don't have another pair of shoes. That's right. Right. That's right. And sometimes us as men of God, as children of God, as as uh, people that feel a calling to anything, wh- yeah. whatever, whether you're going to be a uh, uh, an, an usher or a, or a pastor, yeah. whatever you, whatever you're calling, all are called. Um, we first, like you said, we got to decide and make our mind up. I might not know the end result. But I know that I don't belong in these shoes. That's right. Right. I know that I don't belong. My future is not in my past. That's right. And God, the very first thing God does before he ever reveals himself to him is he says, I reward your made of mind of not becoming what you are not. That's right. right. And he says, take off your shoes because what I give you, the shoes I'm fixing to put on you are the shoes of your future. That's right. They're the shoes that are going to carry you out of Egypt, carry the people out of Egypt into the wilderness. But if you notice that when Moses dies and, and God buries him and then Joshua takes over, as soon as they go from the wilderness, now the shoes that Joshua were wearing were the shoes he walked out of Egypt following Moses with. Yeah. But then once he takes the spot of Moses, he couldn't wear the shoes of Moses. Right. right. As soon as he crossed into the promised land, uh, the angel says to him, take off your shoes, your own holy ground. You can't walk in the anointing of Moses. That's right. You can't rely on the things of what Moses. You got to take what Moses did, but you got to make it your own. Joshua, as great as Moses was, you got to know you're not Moses. Yeah, That's exactly right. Trey, you got to know you're not Brother Morel Cornwell or Pastor Scott Cornwell or That's Jesse right. Cornwell II or, or you're, you're you. That's right. We are many members, individuals of the same body. That's right. Yeah. But we got to, like you said, we got to know what we are not. And see, that one thing that is cool about Moses and something that we can learn, Moses was going through an identity crisis. Yeah, sure. He wasn't Egyptian. Nope. He, he didn't fit in with the Egyptians. He didn't fit in with the Hebrews either. Take yeah. your shirt off and let's see the stripes on your back, that's they a, said. That's you exactly may be right. a prince and a judge. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, when, when God takes Moses out of Egypt and he, he experiences that burning bush, Yep. that burning bush was the moment in his ministry where he had to decide, I'm not an Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am called to be 
the deliverer of Israel. Mm -hmm. But like you said, your past cannot go with you to your future. That's right. And if you're ever called by God, you cannot allow your past to dictate where, where your ministry is going to take you in your future. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 and a lot of young people, uh, I'm, and I don't know, I guess we're just going to talk to young people for a second, including myself, is when you start to step into the role in the ministry, you feel a calling of God in the ministry. The biggest hindrance to the calling of God is your past mistakes. Yeah. Yep. And you're yep. dealing you're dealing with the skeletons of the world. Yeah. And you can never allow yourself to become who, who God wants you to be because you're so worried about what people have thought about you because they know they know your past. Yeah. They, they know, know your limitations. You yeah. Exactly. And, they know your limitations. And Brother Bankins was saying something a minute ago about the the similarities between Moses and Joshua. Mm. Those are the only two times in scripture that you see That's right. where someone was told to take off their shoes for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Right. But whenever Joshua went into Jericho, which is where he saw that angel the Bible said that that angel had his sword drawn. That's in his right. Hand. <laughs> he was in a posture of battle. Yes. Mm -hmm. He was ready to defend something. Are you far as a far adversary? And so he spoke to Joshua and he said, Take off your shoes for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Mm -hmm. The only the other time that that was spoken was to Moses. Yeah. What that angel was saying was, is for you to go where God wants to take you. And before God allows you to possess what he has for you to possess, mm. I got to make sure you will approach holiness Come on, the Ooh. same way the last generation approached holiness. Yep. Come on. So you spoke a minute ago, uh, Trey, about we want to emulate some of the things of the last generation. There are some things Absolutely. that we are supposed to do exactly like the last generation. Absolutely. But in the meantime, we have to be ourselves in doing so. Absolutely. We yes. can't forsake the apostles' doctrine. Right. That's right. But in right. the meantime, we have to be ourselves in doing so. That's, yeah. that, that, that's exactly right. Pe and no then, pe people always say, well, those are big shoes to fill. I'm sure you've heard that plenty, <laughs> yeah. wherever, where you've been. Yeah. Those are you don't have to fill them shoes. That's exactly right. Yeah. You got to walk the same way those shoes walked, yeah. but you got to walk with your swagger. That's right. Walk, you, you have to seek the old paths. Mm -hmm. That's right. But walk them in your own shoes. That's yeah. right. That's so, right. So, so. Uh, <laughs> I like that. You, you're, you're first generation. Well, you're the only preacher in your family. Right. And you were the first. You're not going to be the last. You're going to have a son one day that's going to be a preacher. Oh, right? if God calls him, sure. <laughs> <laughs> But um, <laughs> if you're not called, you don't want to. You don't want to. Well, do that's that. the truth, isn't it? <laughs> hey, that that that. So, for for someone that's listening right now that does feel called to the ministry, you had to make a decision that you were going to go all the way in. There was no hundred percent. There there was no place in your. You, God would have never have taken you where He's at now if you wouldn't have made that decision. Hundred percent. You know, yep. and so going. Taking a step into the ministry and doing what you're doing, being called by God, operating in, in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, what was, for, for a young person that's listening that doesn't know how to start, what is a piece of advice that you would give to them uh, wanting to start the ministry? What is, one, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? If, if you could go back to where you're at now, what is one thing that you wish someone would have told you? Go far, not fast. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go far, not fast. Because mm -hmm. we get so caught up on the pace that we don't take time to really give it our all in the pursuit. 
Mm-hmm. And in that, you miss the revelation that God is just God. God is seeking pursuit, not perfection. Amen. 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 And if you can just wake up every day and pursue God with everything you've got, and, and this and this ties right into what we were just talking about a minute ago. It's like I told you the other day. What you possess is not always determined by what you pursue. That's uh-huh. right. Sometimes it's determined by what you're escaping. That's right. And oh, what you're on. running from. Uh-huh. Whenever Moses stumbled across the burning bush, he wasn't in pursuit of God. Oh, That's no. Right. That's right. He was running from his past. <laughs> That's yeah. right. When Jacob wrestled with the angel and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, he yeah. wasn't in pursuit of God. He was running for his life from his brother Esau. Mm. And so with me, I was, I was running from a few different things. And I, I didn't know that it would be the thing that propelled me into my relationship with God. Yeah. I, was, I was running from a, a broken home. Come on. I was running from insecurities. Mm. I was running from generational struggles. I was running from past mistakes and failures. I was running from the epitome of dysfunction in my home. Come on. And in that, Man. I had that moment where I just stumbled across a burning bush. Yep. Mm. Yes, sir. I, I had that moment yes, where sir. I wrestled with that angel. Yes, sir. Man. Because we have to learn to let our adversary provoke us. And that's that's what I would tell 15-year-old Caleb, is that instead of letting your enemy and your weaknesses and your insecurities destroy you Man. and deplete you, Come let on. them develop you. Because uh, I, I preach a message about uh, an absent adversary, mm. and we all have things we wish we didn't have to deal with in our lives. Uh, but the revelation of that is, is that when you see the finished product, in hindsight, you're thankful for your adversary. Absolutely. Uh, there's a, a man by the name of Ed Young wrote an article, and I, I think I've preached this here. He wrote an article for National Geographic in 2016 about an island uh, that was an ideal haven for birds. Oh, These yeah. birds would, would migrate to this island and they would stay there because there were no ground predators on this island. Mm-hmm. But studies showed that over time, these birds that were on an island without predators, without adversaries, oh, lost their ability to fly. Yep. In other words, <laughs> without an adversary to provoke them oh, to another God. level. Mm-hmm. They got content with the atmosphere down here rather than striving for the atmosphere up there. Come on now. So without an adversary in your life, you never reach the level you were destined to reach. Yep. Ooh, God. And yeah, so that's what I would tell 15-year-old Caleb Herring is let that adversary drive you to the altar. And that 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 is that is one thing that the devil it's not always the devil that is that you think is attacking you. Oh no. Correct. Very seldom is it. <clears throat> a lot of times, God is God is pushing you into to seasons and positions in your life where he He's going to make you uncomfortable. Right. He He's going to send some adversaries your way, and and you can't always just you can't always complain about the adversary that's provoking you. Yeah. Because God is using that adversary mm-hmm. for a particular reason. Yeah. And that that is that's powerful. That's that's something that, uh, what did you say that you were, what about pursuit? What you possess is not always determined by what you pursue, but by what you're running from. But what you're running from. So, mm-hmm. Brother Bankins would, can attest to that statement. Amen. 
you 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 weren't gonna be a a, a soul winning machine. No. You weren't going to be a pastor. Oh, no. You didn't want to be a pastor. Man, I was running from it even when I had the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I did. I did not want to be a. But now I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. But oh my God, I didn't want to be. I mean, I, I mean, did not want to be a preacher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and finally, I, man, there were so many roadblocks in my life that were that were very obvious who they were from. It wasn't yeah. from the devil. Yeah. It was God saying, you're going to do what I want you to do, what I've equipped you to do, what I've called you to do, or I'm going to take you out. Yeah. This was running for my life. This wasn't just a running from a snare. This was a running for my life. This was, yeah. you know, and uh, and by this time, I mean, man, I was married, had kids. Yeah. You know, back when I was young and Real dumb. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a family. You know? yeah. but, but what I would say to, to someone, uh, uh, I, there are several things that I would say. First off, and Trey, I've told you this. If I've told you once, I've told you 100,000 times. God don't yeah. see you for what you are. That's right. He sees you for what he called you, built you, and equipped you to be. There yeah. it is. <clears throat> but when you take what he's built you, equipped you, and called you to be, yeah. when you put that with, you can't do anything by yourself. I don't care how talented you are. That's right. It will always end in a hail storm. Mm. Okay. But when you allow the anointing yeah. to come in to the talents and the giftings and the equippings and the callings, then God will take you so far so fast, just as sin will take you so far so fast when you wake up, you're in jail and drug rehab. That's right. But if you'll allow God to take you so far so fast, but how do you get lost in the anointing? How do you get lost in the pursuit of God? Yeah. Uh, by running from what you're running from, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you got to get a revelation on the three servants with the talents. Uh -huh. Yeah. This is not about... Uh, a person that has five talents, such as singing, uh, speaking ability, teaching ability. That's not that's yeah. not what he's talking about. So if you get the revelation on the talents, mm. uh, there was the first servant who had five talents. He invested those five talents and gained another five talents. Then there's the second servant who had two talents. He invested those two talents and received two talents. That's right. Then there is the... Uh, what the Bible calls the wicked and slothful servant who had one talent and hid it in the dirt. Right. So which one is greater? Which one is more um, elevated in the kingdom of God? The one that had a return of five talents that ended up with 10 or the one that had a return of two talents that ended up with two? Yeah. They are equal. Because they both doubled. Because they both doubled 100%. So sacrifice is based upon how much do I trust yeah. God. Right. Abram did not trust God at first. That's why Lot went with him. That's why he told Pharaoh that uh, uh, Sarai is my sister rather than my wife. Um, that's why he went in unto Hagar and hearkened to the voice. But then when God comes to him the second time and says, Abraham or Abram, you're going to yeah. walk before me and you're going to be thou perfect. Right. It doesn't mean that he's mistakeless. It right. means that he's faithful, right. faithful, faithful in my pursuit yeah, because <laughs> I don't have any other backup come plans. On. Come on. See, Lot was a backup plan just in case God need a little bit of help with the promise. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Hagar was a backup plan. 
uh, uh, Pharaoh, and, and, and that was all backup plans. I, I don't quite trust God. Therefore, I'm not going to sacrifice the honest to God truth in my life. That's right. And, that, and one thing, because he was talking, Brother Herring was talking about an adversary. Uh-huh. And I, I just realized something that when you have an adversary and you're, and you're running from the adversary, but on the run, when God finds you, you don't have time to look back at that adversary. No, sir. You look at Lot's wife when, when they come out of Sodom. Yeah. And she looks back. And her and her, her destiny, her future, everything that gone. she had hoped for is gone. Yep. And so when you're when when you're on the run, you gotta buy the truth and, and sell it not. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't have time to look back at what you used to be. That's right. Yeah. You, and 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 sometimes your adversary is essential to your anointing. Absolutely it is. Sometimes God allows those two to coexist you because, fly. because one is necessary for the other. That's right. You, you mentioned, on, you mentioned uh, Abraham and Sarah. Well, Abraham, he had a promise hmm. that through Isaac, yeah. God would give him seed numbered as the, the stars in the sand. Mm-hmm. But he had, an, he had a mistake. He had an Ishmael That's right. born out of the will of God in the flesh. Yep. That's right. Yep. And the Bible said that Hagar took her son and laid him under a tree and left him there to die. <laughs> That's right. And when she Come was leaving the mistake there, mm-hmm. the Lord spoke to her and said, lift up the lad. Yep. He was saying, I want you to take the thing oh, that's causing Abraham pain yep. and elevate Jesus. him. Yep. Come on now. So the question is, if he would be the antagonist to Isaac, and if the Arab nations would come from wow. his DNA wow. and be the antagonist, the antagonist to the people of God for yep. the rest of time, wow. why not just let the adversary come That's right. Oh, so anytime right. God elevates your enemy, it's because your enemy is about to elevate you. Mm. God did not elevate Ishmael to elevate Ishmael. Mm-hmm. He elevated Ishmael so Ishmael could elevate Isaac. Mm-hmm. And then and let me ask you this to, to, to play off of what you just said. Once you are elevated by that adversary and the strength of that particular adversary, because I don't believe that every demon in hell can just walk through that door and come at a child of God. I believe that God only lets the ones that we can handle come through. By, by the anointing, by the power of God, by our, by our knowledge and all that of the word. But let me ask you this. So when, when, when your adversary elevates you and promotes you, and then you do take that elevation and promotion, like Sarah said, take this bond woman and this boy and get them out. I saw them mocking. Um, once you get the mistake or once you get the adversary out of the camp and the adversary is no longer mocking the blessing or mocking promise, there's always going to be something else. Absolutely. Does that adversary leave and another come in or do they come and add to? I think that would probably be uh, relative to each adversary okay. because there are some things that when I say adversary, I don't necessarily mean a demonic force. A, a being, yeah. I, understand. I, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to go back and put my family back together as a kid. That's right. exactly right. That's always going to be there. Right. Those, those scars, of course, God heals and he is healing and sure. has healed much. Sure. But to some degree, that's always going to be something mm-hmm. that drives me to the altar. Mm. There are some giants that my father did not kill that I'm having to kill. And, 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 mm. th- and thanks to your adversary, 
And obviously, we obviously we all thanks to God. I all yeah. glory to God, right? But your <clears throat> adversary has just allowed your testimony to help somebody else that is getting attacked by that That's same right. adversary. Yeah. That's right. Well, to, okay. Here, here's an example to answer your question. David always had an adversary. Right. He had a lion and a bear. Right. When he killed a lion and a bear, that led to a Goliath. <laughs> when he killed Goliath, that led to a Saul. Yes. Saul led to Philistines. Yes. Philistines led to David. Yes. David was David's own adversary. Yep. Come when on, he David. fell with Bathsheba. Yes. But look at this. He always had an adversary. And here's what we don't understand about the adversary a lot. Mm. The, the, the adversary was not sent to anoint David. Right. The adversary was sent <laughs> to advance David. Right. The prophet anointed David, but the problem promoted David. Right. Right. So let me, let me add to what you just said, <laughs> okay? Because I teach this. There are three battles that every child of God must fight and must succeed in. Yeah. The first type of battle is the lion and the bear. That is a battle that is fought between you, oh, the on. lion and the bear, and your God. But it's always fought in private, come on. Mm -hmm. and most people don't even know you're battling. That's there right. it is. Because nobody can come to your rescue. That's where God trains you and equips you for the giant that's fixing to defy the armies of the living God. That's it. And the next battle that you fight is, is between you uh, and Goliath and God. That battle is always fought in public, but it's always just between you three. Wow. Okay? Yeah. And But when you start fighting that battle, you're, the size of your giant and uh, uh, is always based off of how big your lion and your bear are. You're not going to start off with a full-grown male lion and a full-grown daddy bear. You're going to get a kitty cat <laughs> and a bear cub. Yeah. But when you defeat them, it elevates you in that prayer closet. And then that determines how big your giant is. My giant started off probably five foot nothing. Then it went up to seven foot, then eight foot. Then yeah. by the time you get it to Goliath, he's nine and a half foot tall. Yeah. Wow. And it's a battle between Goliath and you that's always fought in public. But nobody can help you because nobody knows you except God. Right. But when you cut the head off of that giant... Number one, it's your testimony. I've done been with the lion and the bear. I've already got my prayer line. And now nobody might know your name, but they know you're the anointed giant killer. That's it. But then the third type of battle is the type of Jericho, where I got to have you and you got to have me. And our position in the spiritual military, if you will, the army of the living God, is determined off of how big is your lion, how big is your bear, and how many heads of the giants have you cut off. Right. And that determines whether you're in fourth position, third position, second position, first position. I'm just talking about on the line facing the enemy. Okay. Right. But it's a it's a battle that's fought very public. It's a battle that comes against the church as a whole, whether it's the entire movement or the entire body of Christ or your local assembly fighting the principalities of the air and all this kind of stuff. But it's a battle that's fought, and it's, and it's based upon how long have you been in that prayer closet? How willing are you to stand in the face when everybody's hiding behind rocks to stand up and say, is there not a cause? That's it. Let's take this guy out. Yeah. And then we lock arms as 
men of God, as women of God, unified together as one force, right. one body that's based up off of individual prayer lives. That's right. And then we shout with a voice of praise because we've already defeated the lion. Yeah. We've already defeated the bear. We've already defeated the giant. Well, and, and that goes back to individuality and knowing who you are. Right. Because as I said before, you know who you are, you have to know who you're not. That's right. But more important than who you are is whose you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Because again, and, and I can't get away from David, but when you look at the life of David, Saul called him by name and said, bring me David bring yep. so yep. that he can yep. play and drive these evil spirits That's out right. from me. He knew him by name. That's right. But when it came time for David to kill a giant, the Bible, said that, the Bible said that he, he came back from the slaughter of the Philistine, and he did not call him by name. Nope. He said, whose son is this? Whose yep. son? Come on. And he looked at Ooh. David, and he said, whose son are you? Yes. And David said, I am, I, I am the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Yeah. Because as your adversary elevates you, there comes a point where you have to be met with the reminder that you don't kill giants because of who you are. You kill Come giants on. because of whose you are. Amen. In the middle of all of the enemies you've defeated, the only thing that matters is who's your father. That's Come right. On. Who's, who's your, your father? daddy? <laughs> and that's a, that's that's something that I had to deal with because yeah. I, my parents divorced when I was 12 years old. And, and, and that's been one of my biggest struggles is being confident in who I am and developing into the young man yeah. that I am. And thank God I had a pastor that stepped in and, and, and raised me. Yes. But... I had to come to the revelation of who I was not. That's right. Yep. I'm not an Egyptian. That's right. And then I had to come to the revelation of who I was. Yes. And more importantly than all of that, I had to come to the revelation of whose I am. Come on. In the story of Joseph, it starts off saying, now Israel loved Joseph more than all the other children because he was the son of his old age. So we know the life of Jacob. Jacob started off as the hill grabber, the the supplanter, the liar, the cheater, and let's make it more relevant to us, the drug addict, the womanizer, the homosexual, this, that, the other. All of the things of carnality, all these things of the world. And then on the way back home to his father's house, uh, he gets a visit from the angel, and there he wrestles with a man. And, and the Bible says, he says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And he says, okay, what's your name? Well, my name's Jacob. My name is all of these things. My name's carnality. And he says, thy, thy name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, which means my God will prevail. So fast forward a long time, okay? Now Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob. And the Bible says that Israel loved Joseph, okay? Not Jacob, Israel, right? Okay. So when you take the first 10 sons, the first five sons were the sons of Jacob alone, the sons of carnality. Right. Once you make a decision to go for God, he doesn't magically take you from point A to point Z. You got to go through a process. Yeah. There's some things you got to shake off. There's some habits you got to change. And, and the second five sons were the sons of the process, the sons of the transition. But Joseph was the son of Israel. Okay. And when he gets into the pit, it's sold into Potiphar's house, all of these other things. He goes through, he goes from the frying pan into the fire time and time again. But everywhere that he ends up, 
He is a slave in Potiphar's house, but yet he's a prosperous man. Why? Because I'm not the son of carnality. I'm not the son of the transition. I don't know who Jacob is. Right. I'm the son of Israel, and my God is going to prevail. Right. And then he goes from Potiphar's house into the dungeon, and it says he's locked up between the baker and the butler, chained to a wall. He comes in in the morning, and he says, what you sad about? See, when you are in... Uh, when you're the son of Israel, when you're the son where God is going to prevail, in your, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through things, but it means you know the end result before the result's ever there. Why? Because I'm going to keep on walking. Right. I'm going to keep on going. His, his, his destiny brought him to Pharaoh's house, but that wasn't the promise. The promise was the sun, the moon, the 11 stars are going to make obeisance to me. They're going to bow down. And the only way, the only way to get from the pit and through all of the different obstacles and allow uh, God to elevate you to uh, be in a position to save the posterity of Israel in, in the earth um, is to continue walking. Don't get hung up because I went from one trial to another trial to another trial. Let your trial elevate you in everything that you do and determine in your mind, have a made up mind. I am not the son of circumvention. That's right. Right. I am not going to try to circumvent the will of God. I'm going to walk right through the pit into Potiphar's house. I'm going to walk right through where Potiphar's wife is trying to entice me. I'm going to walk right through the dungeon, and I'm going to walk right up inside of Pharaoh's. Do you know the amazing thing when he got in front of Pharaoh, which is supposed to be a living God, he, he, his, his very first response to Pharaoh was, you're not God. Yeah. I know God, and he'll tell me your dream. The man that had his freedom at one whip of his finger. And he says, you're not him. Yeah. Because I am the son of I am. I am the son of Israel. I am the son of uh, not not the son of carnality and circumvention and backup plans. But I'm the son of Israel and my God. See, when Israel loved Joseph because he was the son of his old age, Israel looked at Joseph and said, I wish I'd have known what you know. At your age. Yeah. Because then I wouldn't have had to go through all this heartache. I wouldn't have had five sons of carnality and five sons of the process, but I could have had 12 Josephs. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, back to the 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 power of knowing whose you are at, at the birth of Benjamin. <laughs> the Bible talks about his mother dying. Yep. Then you mean given birth and before before Benjamin is born or, or when Benjamin is born, rather. His mother named him Benani, mm-hmm. which means son of my sorrow. Ben-Ani. Right. But here's here's the tragedy of that. His mother was trying to name him Some, after on. a situation he could not control. That's exactly right. 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 You can't control that your parents divorce. Come on. You can't control that you come from a dysfunctional family. That's right. You can't control that uh, you, you've been through traumatic situations in your home. You can't control that you're the first one in your family living for God. That's right. And when his mother tried to label him by mm-hmm. a circumstance he could not control, the father stepped in. That's right. And That's said, it. you don't get to name him. Yep. What he can't control doesn't get to define him. That's right. And it's not his fault. His name is Benjamin, yep. son of my right hand. That's right. Son yeah. of authority. Yep. And the enemy, you were talking about Joseph, the enemy ties uh, the, the enemy ties his own hands. Sure. 
Because what he's doing is he's really setting you up for success. That's right. Because Joseph looked at his brothers and he said, you thought evil against me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but God turned it around and used yep. it for good. Yep. That's right. And that's, that, it's just like Jesus in the garden. That's right. Yep. They came and got him and brought him to his crucifixion. Mm. But he said in three days, I'll rebuild this temple. <laughs> so go ahead yeah. and put the crown of thorns on my head. That's go right. ahead and stick the nails in my hands and my feet. Go ahead and put the Come spear on. in my side. That's go right. ahead and cast lots from my garments. Go ahead and feed me vinegar. Yeah. Why? But in three days, I'm getting back up. What he was saying was, is if you didn't want me to get up from the grave. You shouldn't have put me down. If you didn't want me to go to glory, you <laughs> should have left me in the garden. Yep. If the enemy did not want you to go where you're going, Come on. he should have left you where you were. That's right. Why? Because he doesn't start something that he doesn't plan on finishing. Yep. He never starts something that he doesn't plan on finishing. Yep. And the same, when you go back to, you go back to the <laughs> adversary promoting you. You know, you, you talk about your dysfunctional family. I come from the same, sure. the same testimony. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I you come do. from a broken family. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. When we were just at KYC, uh, when, you, when you said the adversary promotes you, the adversary gives you something to help others that are going through that same thing that you went through. Absolutely. So there was a kid at KYC, what we just got done with, Kansas Youth uh, Conference, and he was sitting in the back of the sanctuary. And I go back there and I, I sit next to him and I said, I said, what's going on? What's, what's going on? Talk to me. And he just looks at me all weird and says, well, what, what, what you mean? I said, I said, you can talk to me, bro. I said, what, what's going on? Kid starts crying. He's probably 11 years old, 11 years old. And his parents are going through a divorce right now. Mm-hmm. His parents are going through it right, right now. His daddy walked off on him, left on him. Wow. And I told him, I said, buddy, I said, I know exactly what you're going through. Because the adversary allowed me to go through some things in my life. I was the same age that happened to me. Really? Yeah, same age, 12 years old. The, the craziest thing was mm. when, I, when I told him, I said, I know what you're going through because I've been through it. Yeah. I've been through it. We, we, we fought the same adversary, but God never starts something that he doesn't plan on finishing. That's it. And he's going to use that adversary. He, he, he's going to use that past. He, he's going to use that situation that you're going through. And I, I, I mean, I don't know why we're talking about it. Obviously, someone, someone's listening to the podcast right now that... Your parents may be going through a divorce right now. Yeah, you're on it, bro. Your, 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 parent, your parents may be being in a, in a situation where you think that they're not going to make it through and you, and you feel like you're at fault. Yeah. And we're, talk, I'm talk, we're talking to somebody that's listening right, right now. God is using that. Yeah, he is. He's using that know. adversary and he's promoting you. And he's getting ready to yeah. elevate you to a level that you never thought you could yeah. possess. Well, and... and- I mean, it's amazing the similarity between your story and my story, and apparently the story that young of that young man at at youth convention. Yeah. Um, what what that did, <clears throat> and and you asked me earlier, what is one thing that I would tell myself mm-hmm. that I wish someone would have told me, or I wish that I would have known. Th- that happening in my life allowed me to step into one of the greatest gifts God had ever given me. That's right. And that's the gift of loneliness. That's right. Come on. Loneliness Come on. is the greatest gift Talk God has ever given me. Talk about it. Because in that season of loneliness, when I had no friends in the youth group, Come on. socially awkward, insecure, didn't know who I was and or who I was, mm-hmm. didn't even know whose I was. 
But because of my loneliness, every single day, I found a place to pray. Come on. And I would get a hold of God. Mm. I didn't even know how to pray. Mm -hmm. Mm. But because I was lonely and I needed a friend, (laughs) I found a place to pray. And I got the revelation of a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Mm, and this is what the Lord showed me about loneliness. Moses was hidden his entire life. That's right. He was hidden three mm. months uh, after his birth. And then he was hidden for 40 years in a desert on the backside of nowhere. Mm. And then when he died, God hid his body so well, even the devil couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his entire life was about being hidden. And God speaks to Moses. Man, I feel the Holy I Ghost. Feel the Holy. <laughs> God speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, there is a place by me. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. Mm -hmm. And there's not going to be anybody else around, because a place by God Mm -hmm. is a place away from everybody else. He said, Moses, there is a place. That word place, in the Hebrew, it literally means a position or location. So this generation thinks that mm. loneliness is a condition. Come on. But loneliness is not a condition, it's a position. It's a necessity. Yeah. This generation thinks that loneliness is a limitation. Loneliness is not a limitation, Mm-mm. it's a location. Come on. It's a place that God has ordained for you to be mm. because there are revelations and giftings and anointings that only come when you embrace seasons of loneliness. Yep, yep. And he said, I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I, I'm, I'm talking to somebody right yeah, now who's dealing with a season of loneliness and you feel like you're misunderstood. You feel like you're socially awkward. You go to make friends and you break out in a sweat because mm. you don't know how to fit in. You seem mm. like the oddball. Mm. You feel like nobody understands you and like you're all by yourself. Mm. God said, Moses, there is a place by me. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand. Mm. In this season of loneliness is perhaps the season where God's hand is on your life the greatest. <laughs> Come on, come on. His hand is on you in this season of loneliness. Yeah. There's I, a place by me. And yeah. that, that you, you're talking to somebody. There, there, it's not a coincidence that we're talking about this right now. Somebody that's listening to the podcast right now is going through it yeah. right now. Well, Absolutely. see, when you, when, you, when you make a decision, I know who I'm not. That is your deliverance out of Egypt. Yeah. But then you got to go through the lonely place of the wilderness so God can take you into your purpose. Right. Give yeah. you your giftings and give you your anointings. On it. And I believe that that happens to everyone mm-hmm. that is marching forward towards God because I don't come from a broken home. Yeah. Uh, I lost my dad last November, but my mom and dad have been happily married for 40 something years. I mean, yeah. um, there was a lot of chaos in my life, but, but, a, but a chaotic home wasn't it. Yeah. Very secure home, very stable home. Matter of fact, when I got cleaned up and out of out of drugs and everything, mm-hmm. when I came back to my home, to my parents' home, it was the identical home I left, except everybody was older. Yeah, you know. Um, but but when I came out of the world, when I came out of all this stuff, man, I number one, I couldn't hang out with none of my friends from the world. We had absolutely nothing in common anymore. The only thing we had in common was partying and drugs. Yeah. But then I had nothing in common with my old church friends either. They, you know, they didn't know if I was serious or not this time. I mean, you know, I tell them, yeah, this time I mean it, but I mean, they've heard it 
a hundred times. Mm. So God took takes you. Everybody's got to go into a wilderness that that season of loneliness. And and I think that the faster you notice the burning bush as Moses did, the faster you get to get out of that particular loneliness where you're literally all alone. Right. Because there's seasons of loneliness even when you're married with kids and have That's right. And you don't get no privacy with kids. Yeah. Okay. But that doesn't mean that you're not in a season of loneliness. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where God is taking you to the next uh mm. position in your walk with him. Um he's elevating you and, and all of these kind of things. And and but I went through a season where I literally had nobody. Yeah. Nobody want, but I had God. That's yeah, right. you know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, you know. The, and go ahead. Well, just to, just to tag on to what you said, you said that you you live in perpetual seasons of loneliness, even when you're surrounded by kids yeah. and a wife, sure. and friends. Sure. I think that a lot of times we misunderstand loneliness. Sure. Sometimes loneliness is not a reality. It's just an emotion. Right. And it's an emotion that God stirs in you because he wants fellowship with you. Yep. Come on. Let's look at Elijah. He said, God, it's just me. I'm I'm the only one that's serving Jehovah. I'm by myself. God says, no, you're not. There's 7,000 more just like you that have never bowed a knee to Baal. Mm. Even though he was not alone, he felt alone. Yep. Mm. But when God wants to speak to you, mm. and when God wants fellowship with you, uh-huh. and God wants you to become acquainted with his voice in your life, he will stir the emotion of loneliness in you Come on. until you voluntarily disconnect from the crowd That's yep. exactly right. and find that place Moses found, mm. which is a place by him. Yep. And I've learned it, during that season of loneliness, I resented it. But in hindsight, I'm thankful for it sure. because I oh, know yeah. because I know that in hindsight, had I had them, come on, I wouldn't have had him. Right, right. You know, and as long as I've got him, my mama used to tell me after she'd get finished calling me Jonah, because I'd be running from all my anyway. She would point up and down, and she would say, "If you get this relationship right, talking about God." then all of this other stuff will work itself out talking about everything Absolutely. on the playing field. And and I I understood what she meant then, but now after going through loneliness and, and being called to loneliness and things like that, uh, now I really understood what she meant. Yeah. Is that is that mm-hmm. um this relationship is where he wants to reveal himself to you. Yeah. And and then this relationship is where he wants mm. you to declare yeah. what he's revealed to Absolutely. you, wants to teach what he's Man. taught you. You know, you know, uh, we, we look at Jacob. I mean, there's so many people that in the Bible that go through a season of loneliness sure. before they ever experience the promise that God wanted for them. You look at Jacob, he's isolated, and he goes through a season of loneliness where he's running from Esau, his brother. Mm-hmm. His brother wants to kill him, his own family. Mm-hmm. His own brother wants to kill him. He gets he gets done wrong by his uncle. He uh, The woman that he loves can't conceive a child. Mm-hmm. And 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 he, he goes through all these things by himself yeah. in a season of loneliness. And everything 
that you're going through that's brought on by a season of loneliness. There, there's a promise awaiting on the other side of that pain. Yeah. There's a pain for that promise, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and that's, man. And, and uh, man, we could just go all night on this, but something that came to mind connecting with how I mentioned earlier that in these seasons of loneliness, there are giftings and there are anointings that are developed in these seasons. Mm. Well, if you bypass those seasons of loneliness, you negate the gifting and the anointing that's supposed to be birthed in that season of loneliness. Come on. And in Second Kings 11, Ahathaliah goes on a killing spree. Mm-hmm. trying to kill all the royal seed of Judah. Mm-hmm. And she kills all the royal seed of Judah except for one baby boy named Joash. Come on. The nurse takes Joash and escapes. And the Bible said that Joash and his nurse were hidden in the bedchamber <coughs> until he was seven years old. Come on. Mm. He went into hiding. He went into loneliness at one years old and did not come out until he was seven years old. Jesus. Complete. He came out complete. (laughs) He came out ready for the throne. Wow. Because in that season of loneliness, you never know what God is protecting you from. That's right. Had he not been hidden in a season of loneliness, he would have been destroyed before he could reach his destiny. And the Bible said that the nurse was hid with him. Wow. He had everything he needed to grow. Wow. In your season of loneliness, God has equipped you with everything you need to grow yep. into the person that God has called you to become. But then then when, when he takes you out of that season of loneliness and then all of a sudden you have an influx of people or an influx of uh, feeling uh, not alone, I guess, um, you can't remember where he brought you to in that loneliness and your first love. So go all the way back to creation. It was just God and Adam for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then when Eve comes along, when God creates Eve, that's when every, he taught Adam how to dress and keep the garden. Well, there was nothing to do in the garden as far as dressing and tending the fruit. It was perfect all the time. Right. Wow. But what he wanted Adam to learn in that moment was, if you will dress your, yourself in my spirit, in yeah. the holiness of our relationship. If you will clothe yourself, Adam, and allow me to dress, I will hide you. There's an adversary here. Mm-hmm. You don't know him, but I'm telling you he's here. Yeah. And if you want to keep what I've given you, your innocence, your perfection, then you have got to learn to dress yourself hidden in the secret place of the Most High. That's it. Even in the innocence and the perfection of the garden. Yeah. But where Adam went wrong was when God gave him a friend. It was the will. He said, it's not uh, good that man, it's the plan of God for you to have a wife. It's the plan of God for a woman to have a husband. It's That is the plan. Can you go to heaven without them? Absolutely you can. But it's the plan of God. That's the perfection of God. Absolutely. That's the purpose of God. Yeah. But you can't even allow the distractions of your home to separate you from the hidden place of the Almighty God. That's right. Right. How, how do you get to the secret place? By yourself. By yourself. Yeah. That's right. He that dwells like in the secret place of the most. Yeah. High. Yeah. Because if if you don't if you don't dress it, if you don't dress it, you can't keep it, and if you can't keep it then you can't keep your relationship right with your woman. Right. Mm. I don't care if you're married and faithful to her. 
You're dysfunctional in the presence of God because you have not become functional by yourself first. That's it. See, a husband and a wife, uh, I'm the only one married at the table, but a husband (laughs) and a wife um, has to be functional on their own in the presence of God first before they can ever come together and be functional, submitted to the authority and submitted to Mm. all of that that goes into it. But if I can't keep my own home in order, talking about my personal self, how can I ever keep my home with my wife and my kids in order? That's right. Yeah. And loneliness, it helps you become acquainted with the voice of God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because Adam, Adam, where are you at? (laughs) Where are you? I'm here. I'm in our meeting place. Absolutely. And Moses was, he was just tending to the sheep like he had been doing for 40 years. Yep. Wow. And the Bible said that he saw the burning bush, that it was not consumed. And he turned aside to see this great sight. And when he turned aside, God said, now... Will I speak with him? Mm -hmm. You don't get dialogue with God until you can be distracted by God. There you go. He was just in his daily routine of loneliness, and he became (laughs) distracted by the divine. And God said, I can speak to somebody like that. Because loneliness allows you to become sensitive enough to where you can be distracted by the divine. You know, I I teach this, and Trey can attest to this, when I teach about Moses in the wilderness, it says that the angel of God went down lighting a bush on fire. Yeah. And then God said, and I teach it like this, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, okay, I am sick of lighting these bushes on fire. He won't notice one. I've lit a thousand bushes on fire. I don't believe it was the will of God for Moses to be out there 40 years. I think it took 40 years for him ever to notice because he was so caught up in his own circumstance that he couldn't notice the one that could bring him out of his with a solution. Right. And 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 the Bible says that the angel of the Lord went down there lighting bushes on fire. And that when Moses finally turns aside to see, like what you just said, then God comes down and starts dealing with him. Yeah. Because now he's at a place where Number one, he's he's ready for a relationship. Oh Number two, he's in a position where there ain't nothing else. Yeah. Mm. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I'm sick and tired of being all alone. I'm sick and tired because there's there's one thing to be lonely all by yourself. And then there's another thing to be in a season of loneliness where you're alone with God. Right. Uh, loneliness all by yourself is a is a uh, circumstance where God has his Holy Ghost big lighter and he lighting bushes on fire in your life and you're so worried about your own self and your own image and all of this other stuff that you won't ever turn aside to see what God's really got you there for. Yeah. But then when you finally turn aside to see, you're not lonely as far as being alone anymore. Now you're in the in the in the season of loneliness where God's got you all by himself. Awesome. Right. And now I can clothe you. I can dress you. I can send you with your purpose to where you're supposed to go. See, Moses, I believe Moses always knew he was called to be the deliverer. He was saved because Pharaoh said, kill all the male children. Then, then, um, and then 
uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and the Bible says she holds him in her hand and he cries out and she has compassion on him. She knew the decree of daddy. She knew she was supposed to grab him by his little ankle and throw him in the Nile River and never think of him again. But in Pharaoh's Pharaoh's daughter's heart, she says, what's one child going to do? Yeah. One child that will allow the position of and the season of loneliness to develop the authority and the power in their life to position them in the office that they hold. Moses always knew he was the deliverer. He, it didn't take a brain brain scientist. He was in Pharaoh's house for approximately 35 to 37 years. Yeah. And every single night they had the same conversation at the dinner table because sooner or later they stopped looking at Moses as the adopted Hebrew child. And they started looking at him as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was another Egyptian. And Pharaoh lets his guard down and he starts speaking the the uh, the uh, uh, method to his demise, yeah. which was they are more and mightier than we are. And yeah. Moses finally goes out after 40 years, after he's 40 years old. And that's when the Hebrews reject him. And then he runs. His, his motive of being the deliverer was right. But because he had never been in the season of loneliness to allow God to equip him and anoint him and, 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 and educate him on how to do it, his method was wrong. Yeah. He thought that when he went out between the two Hebrews, because he killed the Egyptian yesterday, that the Hebrews were going to rise up and charge the castle with him. Had they charged the castle with Moses and they win, Moses becomes their God. Yeah. But because Moses runs in rejection to a place of loneliness, but he started out as being completely all alone, all by himself, miserable, out there with a bunch of stinky sheep. Right. Well, what that did was is that that allowed that allowed the man to be built before the ministry was built. Right. Loneliness allows us to have character. Yes. That can keep us where the gift carries us. Yes. <laughs> I like that. That that was a lot of the problem with Samson. He had those Nazarite vows and I've I've heard people ask why was it the cutting of hair that caused him to lose his strength? Well, it wasn't the cutting of hair that caused him to lose his strength. It was the breaking of the strength. vow. It was the fact that he touched a dead body that he was hanging out in the vineyard and that he cut his hair yep. yeah. that caused him to lose his strength. Yep. He learned how to go back and forth between moving <laughs> boundaries that were protecting Come his on. gifting to operating in his gifting. Mm. The gifts Ooh. and the callings of God are without repentance. And if we're not careful, we can learn how to go back and forth between our gifting oh, and our flesh, our on, gifting on, and our flesh. On. The tragedy of Samson oh is that he learned how to hold up his gift while letting down his guard. <laughs> Man, I wish we'd have brought that up earlier tonight. Just that principle, not the Nazarite vow, but just that principle. He learned how to hold up his gift Come on now. while letting down his guard. Yes. You see, God called Samson to a place. He did not call everybody else. To. Right. It was a Nazarite vow. Mm-hmm. Not everybody had his blessing, so not everybody had to live by his boundaries. Right. Not everybody had his gifting, so not everybody had to live by his guidelines. Dude. But when you start moving boundary after boundary after oh boundary, your gift my God, falls my God. when your guard falls. Mm-hmm. Man, man, man. You got to protect you, this. And his, and his loneliness of literally being all alone 
brought him to the bed of a strange woman. Yeah. And and then that's where trying to please her rather than trying to please him. Yeah. God, I'm talking about by saying him. Absolutely. Trying to please her um, allowed him to move his boundaries further back and further back until sooner or later he couldn't tell himself or his boundaries from the boundaries of the foreign. Right. Well, I, I'm, man, that's that's so good. And I, I shared this with, with Trey, I think, it was, I think it was yesterday, about Saul and David. Mm. When you look at Saul and David, Saul was anointed with a vial. That's right. <laughs> David was anointed with a horn. There you go, yeah. A, a vial releases a drop of anointing. Yeah, yeah, a portion. Yeah. When a drop falls, it stops. It stops. Yeah. David was anointed with a horn. Come on. When a horn or when a flow falls, <laughs> it continues. Conduit. Which is why the Bible said that when David was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him from that day from forward. That day. Yep. Because he didn't get connected with a drop of anointing. No. He got connected with a flow of anointing. Yep. And it flowed throughout the generations, which is why when somebody needed a miracle, they did not say, Jesus, thou son of Saul. No. Yeah, they said, on. Jesus, thou son of David. David. That's right. Because David got connected to a flow that come impacted on. every come generation on. that followed him. And if we bypass seasons of loneliness and devotion to God, what happens is, is we have to settle for a drop of anointing Mm -hmm. when God wants to give us a flow of the oil of the Holy Ghost Mm -hmm. that will allow us to do something that impacts every generation Mm -hmm. that follows us. My God, that's right. Saul's kingdom was like his anointing. It started, but it stopped. David's kingdom was like his anointing. There was no end. It started and it never stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Because unto you us a child is born, and unto yes. us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall no end. be no end. Be no end. Because That's right. David got connected to a flow that never stopped. Okay, so let me ask you this, going in that vein. What we were talking about way earlier at the beginning of the podcast about, uh, boy, that's big shoes to fill. I don't, uh, Saul, uh, David tried, or actually Saul tried to put David in his armor. That's right. Well, that's big armor to fill. Yeah. Well, that's a big position to fill. And David said, I have not proved this yet. Now, did David ever learn the sword? Oh, yeah, he couldn't build the temple because he had so much blood on his sword. Right. Okay. And Solomon got to live in peace because David killed all of the uh, enemies. With a sword. Right. It's not that he did not step into the role of the weaponry, but he first had to step into the role of the anointing. And that's where us as younger men of God, well, y'all are younger than me, but uh, all of us young, young, all of us young generation, I'm going to be in y'all's generation because I don't want to be the one that's laid ground. I want to be the one that receives. Come on now. There you go. You still 30. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I wish. So, uh, so what I'm saying is, is that, is that, is that, Trey, you don't have to step into your grandfather's shoes. You have to tap into the flow of the horn of the anointing. That's right. Yeah. Same, same God, same anointing, but it's got to be poured on you. Yeah. It's, I don't have to step into the shoes of Timothy Krill or Terry Bankins. I have to step into the same anointing that those great men of God tapped into That's right. in the shoes that God put on me in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. Right. Amen. Right. And, the, and the, when we cross into the Jordan, 
uh, crossed through the Jordan and we put on a new set of shoes to live in the promise, that's because we've tapped into the horn. I don't want nobody to get a little vial of oil over me, Brother Herring, and say, it's not because God chose you dumping that stuff out. (laughs) You know, I want want to stand there in that flow of anointing. I don't want to drop because I don't want this to end. As bad as I did not want this to start in my life, I could not live now without it. Yeah. I don't don't know how. I wouldn't know how to go back. I'm not talking about back to being a sinner. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I wouldn't know how to go back to not being a soul winner. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching a pile of Bible studies. Everybody's not on the same playing field, but I mean, man, just this weekend, I've had two, I had one get the Holy Ghost tonight and one get the Holy Ghost. And the one that got the Holy Ghost yesterday, she told me, she said, when she first started doing Bible studies, she said, I just don't know if the Holy Ghost is for everybody. I don't oh, know about speaking is. in tongues. <laughs> and then when she got through, I mean, what she speaking to 30 minutes? A long time. You know? She was there a while. And she comes to me, man, her eyes are bugging out of her head, and she just got this glow all over. Holy and I said, what happened to you? Yeah. And she goes, it's you. real. Yeah. I got the Holy Ghost. It's real. So to see that. Jesus. Uh, because what we're Hallelujah. doing that we tapped into the horn of anointing that we've tapped into the flow, the conduit is that not only have, is it flowing in my life and in my family's life, but now there are people that are coming that when they receive the Holy ghost, you're able to take that horn and say, get under this for a little while. Yeah. Get under this for a little while, because this is where consecration will get you. This is where, uh, 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 sanctification will get you. This is where, um, uh, that's that season of loneliness, not all alone, all by myself, stuck with a bunch of nasty, stinky goats, but alone with God so that he can shape me and mold me and put me on that wheel. That's it. Uh, you know, there was nobody else in the room when the potter had the clay on the wheel. It was just the clay and the potter. Right. And that's where we got to get in that season of loneliness is where we become the clay that's moldable and say, God, Whatever, whatever imperfection I have in me, and and look, I've got imperfections. I still got imperfections. Yeah. Uh, but but <laughs> but I'm, I, I mean, I do. I got to pray every day. I got to study every day. And I'm not talking about just go teach. I'm not praying or studying to get a no, another get a sermon or to get. I'm so praying and studying because I still got imperfection in me. That that God is pounding that clay, and He's saying, "I still feel a pebble in there. Yeah. there there's still a little something of the world, and you, there's still a little carnality, and, and, and you got to be the son of Israel." Yep. And that's, <clears throat> like I said, that's why the man has to be built before the ministry has mm-hmm. to be built. Mm-hmm. Because the, I like that the the difference between Saul and David is that when Saul was anointed as king, he got lifted up in his gifting. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, right. you were anointed as king of Israel. But now the kingdom is being rent from you because mm-hmm. you got lifted up in your gifting. But when David was anointed, he went back to the field. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Because what you do to manifest the anointing is what you have to keep doing to maintain the anointing. Yep. My God. You know, we've, and this is kind of a, a turn of gears, but I'm just just flowing in what I feel. But these men like Brother Kilgore mm. yeah. and Brother Barnes yeah. and these these giants, Brother Ewing, that have walked among us, yeah. 
they move me so deeply. Sure. And I've heard a lot of people pray for God to give them their ministry. Come on. The Lord dealt with me about that because I I was wrestling with that. I want to be used the way those men were used. Absolutely. I want to walk in the dimensions of the spirit those men walked in. Absolutely. But the Lord dealt with me about that. And so what I've what I've started doing is I've stopped praying for their ministry. I've started praying for their altar. Yeah. Mm. Because these men were never seeking notoriety. Uh-uh. They were just walking with God. Yep. And we make anti-Christ statements. And I know that's strong, but it's true. We make anti-Christ statements like big name preacher. Yeah. Come on. Or, or uh, premier evangelist of our movement. Yeah. That is some of the most anti-Christ statements yeah. that I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because right before his greatest victory, the Bible said that Jesus, uh, the Bible said that God made himself of That's right. No, yep. reputation, no reputation and became wow. obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And I've right. been guilty. I mentioned it at the youth convention. I've been guilty of making statements or at least a variation sure. of sure. a statement like, your your public platform will not exceed your private altar. Yeah. Well, my only problem with that is it's not biblical. Yep. Yeah. That's right. It's, yeah, it's, because it's, uh, Saul had no altar. It's not biblical. Exactly. Yeah. Saul never built his first altar until after he was king. Right. If your public platform will not exceed your private altar, then the Sauls of yesterday mm. would have remained nameless. Yep. Saul's elevation in the public eye had Jesus. nothing to do with being God a mercy. byproduct nope. of a private altar. My God. So when we make statements like that, it sends a message to this generation yeah, come on that now. the purpose of an altar is to be a pathway come to notoriety. Come on. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of an altar come is on. not meant to be a pathway to notoriety. Wow. It's meant to be a place to die. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so instead of praying for the ministry of T.W. Barnes and James Kilgore and Merle yeah. Ewing, I'm praying, God, let me die their death. Come on. Let me die their death. Let me go to the altar they went to. Right. And kill my flesh. God have mercy. That's. And then we can talk about their ministry. Yeah, I remember, yep. I remember Bishop, uh, Bishop Cornwall was talking about a story. They went to Youth Congress, National Youth Congress, and this. He talks about this story of this boy that was swivel-hipped and loose wrist. Came up and said, I want you to bestow your gifts upon me. Oh, I can hear it now. And he said, he he said, huh? Excuse me? He says, I want you to lay your hands on me and bestow your gifts upon me. <laughs> so Bishop, Bishop grabbed him with two hands. He says he got him, he got him with a vice grip, put both his hands <clears throat> over his head. He said he wanted to let him go. He says, God, you see, this boy wants the gifts that I got. He started shaking. He started praying for him, started shaking him. He says, then let him lose two houses. Let him go broke four times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the little boy started trying to squirm out of his, out of his, out of his grips. And he just started praying, you know, let, let him lose his, let him get kicked out of the church. Let him, and, 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 the, and the, the, the little boy finally got out of his grips. And he said, why would you pray anything over that? How, why would you pray anything like that over me? Wow. And he says, because if you want to have my annoying things, if you want to have my gifts, then you got to go through what I went through. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, we look at, 
evangelists now that are that are popular on Instagram and are popular on on Facebook and YouTube and you got those YouTube preachers that, that everyone watches. Yeah. And that everybody <clears throat> and ever everybody wants that, you know. Everybody wants the the brother Barnes anointing. Everybody wants the you name it anointing. But if you're ever going to even come close to operating in that anointing, you've got to go through what they went through. Yeah, That's right. it ain't a it ain't a free ride. You no. know, I have a hard time believing that Brother Barnes, Brother Kilgore, Brother Ewan would have posted their results on social media. Preach on it. So <laughs> preach on. So this is just a, I'm gonna just throw this out there come and then now. we'll get off of it. But preach on it to the young preacher out there. Your ministry, your calling, your gifting is not a product. You've got to market. Mm-hmm. Come on now. That's right. Come on. You don't need a business card. Come on. You don't need a social media following. That's right. Jesus made himself of no, no reputation. Reputation. Come on. Yep. When it's your time, yeah. you can hide in a cave and they'll still come find you. Mm-hmm. That's right. And God will open every door that's supposed to open. That's right. God. Find a prayer closet. Get a word from God and he'll take care of the rest. Watch this. First Chronicles 13, this is right when David becomes king. Verse number three, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hamath, uh, to bring the ark of God to kerjeth Jerum. And David went up, and all Israel to Bala, that is to Kerjeth Jerum, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims whose name is called on it. Now watch this. This is where I wanted to get to. Everybody wants the ministry of David. Yeah. Everybody wants the end result of these greats that we have in our life today. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they don't want to go through the struggle it took to get there. Yeah. Um, you don't just build a church like FBC Wichita. It don't just happen. Right. Nope. And watch what happens to David. A lot of times. Verse number seven. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahoyah drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, with singing and with harps and with psalteries, with timbrels and with cymbals, and with trumpets. They did everything that they knew to do. Mm. And when they came into the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Before you can ever be a David, something's first got to die in your life. Yeah. Because the only way to carry the glory of God is the Holy proper, acceptable way of the living sacrifice. That's it. It was a lot easier for them to put the Ark of the Covenant in a cart and yeah. pull it, but that was not the appropriate, proper, holy, acceptable way. It was to be carried on the four shoulders of four priests of the Levites. Right. And although David's uh, motive at that moment, according to his knowledge, was, was, was right, his method was wrong. He, he didn't understand how to carry the glory of God properly. Yeah. And, and 
When I came back into church, let's see, that was in 2006. Um, our movement as a whole, were y'all even born yet? I was six. Okay. <laughs> but our movement as a whole was really getting uh, relevant. And I would go to some church service. Now, I came out of the world. I came out of the honky-tonks. I came out of raves and clubs and all this other kind of junk. And, man, I, I got to where we would go to some services and stuff, especially youth events. And, uh, and, and it was so relevant, but I couldn't tell the difference between the nightclub and the church service. Now, if you do lights and smoke and all that kind of junk in your service— Everybody's got the right to be wrong, I guess, but 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 we don't do that. You don't have to enhance the spirit of God. Now, should you have a good sound system? Should you have good LED lights in the ceiling that light the room up? Absolutely, you should. I'm not talking about neon lights. I'm talking about good bright lights. But what I'm saying is is that is that David tried to be more relevant for the time by putting the glory of God in a new cart. But he didn't. He had to store the glory of God until he figured out the proper, holy, yeah. acceptable way to carry the sacrifice to attain the glory of God. Yeah. And and so many of us, like the man, like the young man you were talking about, um, that wanted the giftings and the anointing bestowed on him. Well, we want to bestow everything or want it bestowed on us, but yet we don't want to have anything die in our life. Yeah. Once Uzzah died in the life of David and they stored the ark in the, in the house of Obed-Edom, when David went back to the scrolls of the law and he went back to the plan of Moses, who had been dead for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. when he went back to the original and he taps into the anointing, he taps into the authority, he taps into the uh, the proper way to sacrifice and to carry the glory, holy and acceptable. Mm. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. I have to figure out how to carry this thing holy and proper. Because, look, I understand. I am so glad that we don't have brush arbors no more. (laughs) I am so glad that we have these great, magnificent buildings. But if we don't carry the glory of God the same way the brush arbor did, yeah. if we don't, on, it man. doesn't mean we have to have a rope with string lights around a bunch of trees in a piney wood forest. You'd have a hard time finding a forest here. But, Light but, poles. But, but you would, it's, it's a different Ooh, place of worship. Right. But it is the same God to worship, and it is the same sacrifice of praise and of worship and carrying the ark. But until something dies in your life, don't you ever come up to me and tell me you want my ministry until you first walked in my shoes. That's exactly right. I've been to hell and back. Most of it was because of me. Yeah. Okay? Now... Uh, along with that, I'm not telling anybody go get a testimony like I've got. No, nope. I was a coward is why I have the testimony. I, I went yeah. with the flow. It was the easy choice to start snorting lines. Sure. The hard choice is to say, I don't do that stuff. Yeah. Come on, God. I was a coward, and that's why I ended up where I went. The hard choice oh, yeah. is the one that says, I'm not going there. Yeah. I'm going over here to die. Because I want to carry the glory. It's so good. Yeah, man. It took a long time. I was 27 years old when I finally got back in church and some things started dying in me. Yeah. And, and, but until you walk through some death, 
and allow God to raise you back up until you walk through those seasons alone. You think David wasn't lonely after Uzzah died? Come on. I'm sure. I mean, he had this whole thing planned, and now all of a sudden they got to walk back to the to the kingdom, to the palace, with their tail between their legs because it didn't work. Yeah. God. But, buddy, when he came back with the proper way to carry it, it was a party like no other. And you were talking about guarding the glory and, and carrying the glory. Hophni and Phinehas, they, were, they had the pedigree. They had the name. They were the sons of the priest. But they were abusing the sacrifice of right, the temple. Right, right. <laughs> but when it came time for a battle against the Philistines and they started losing the battle, mm-hmm. they said, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it up to battle. Let's go get the glory mm. and bring it up to battle. Without the sacrifice. But they still lost the battle, and here's why. Mm-hmm. They were deceived into thinking. Hophni and Phinehas were deceived into thinking that the glory would guard them in battle when they would not guard it with their behavior. Wow. And then here comes the messenger after God kills Hophni and Phinehas in the same day, telling Eli, the glory's gone. The glory's gone, and your sons are dead. When the messenger came with that word to Eli, the Bible said that Phinehas' wife went into travail. That's right. That's right. And the Bible said that she was at the point of death, and she gave birth to a child. And when she gave birth to a child, the Bible said that she regarded him not. She never even acknowledged the child that she just gave birth to. Wow. She regarded him not as though he didn't matter. Because Phineas' wife understood it doesn't matter what we produce if there's no glory. Wow. That's good. It doesn't matter the mm-hmm. message you give birth to yep. if you preach it and there's no glory. Oh, my. It doesn't matter the talent and the skill and the ability that you can produce if there's no glory. My, my, It my. doesn't matter the show or the program you put on in the house of God if there's no glory. That's right. We got to get back to the glory. Yep. Yeah, because without the glory, uh, those that are coming in that are not— we're raised in this. They're, they're, they're just learning. They're just whatever brought them to the house of God. If we don't carry the glory, if we don't tap into that flow of anointing uh, like David, uh, even with the anointing David had, he still didn't understand how to carry the glory until he had a death. Yeah. Then he said, okay, wait a minute. We've done something wrong. I've done something wrong. I'll be back, Obed-Edom. Yeah. If we don't allow God to kill some things in us that sends us into the season of loneliness, although we're anointed, because you, you, you can't tell me that when we believe the truth, that don't just automatically come with some anointing. Yeah. But if we don't yeah. understand how to carry the glory, uh, we're going to give birth to stillborn babies. Right. They're going to come be born because the truth shall make you free or set you free. But yeah. if to stay free, mm-hmm. to be made new, there's got to be some death in the one that is carrying the glory and saying, let me show you a thing or two. That's right. Not, not about, hey, look at me. Let me show you the word. And I, I remember 
I remember you were preaching at a men's conference out of a, out of a, out of a church that's not even uh, 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 in our movement organization. They're independent apostolic church. Yeah, and uh, I forget what he was preaching on, but God was moving in that place, and I was struggling with my calling. You know, I knew I was called to the ministry. But I, I wasn't satisfied with, with man telling me that I was called to preach if I didn't hear that from God myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, I wasn't satisfied with, with, with someone saying, hey, you're called to preach. Well, I get it. My grandpa's a preacher. My uncle's a preacher. But just because I share a name don't mean I share a calling. That's right. That's and good, just, bro. Because I don't, just because I share a name doesn't mean I share the anointing. That's mm-hmm. good, man. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we, I, 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 I found myself in that small church. That we, that's not even our home church. That small church, and I was mm-hmm. huddled I remember up that. underneath a pew. Bro. I remember that. And I was crying out to God, God, whatever you got to do, I, I, I want your confirmation on what you want me to do for my call. I, I, I got to figure out what my calling and is. And that's a bold prayer. What, whatever you got to do. What, whatever I got to do, God, I, 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 I'm hungry. What do you want me to do? And, and in that moment, when I was huddled up underneath that pew, crying out to God, he said, Trey, if you will be a soul winner, <laughs> if you'll be a soul winner, everything else will follow. That's right. Man, and, that's awesome. and, and I remember the first time I was telling Brother Herring this the other, the other week or the other day. I was telling Brother Herring this. And uh, <laughs> the first time that I went. You want to tell the crowd what just happened? <laughs> While we're laughing over here. <laughs> because Brother Herring's got OCD. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm not going to tell him that. Um, no, so I, I, I had to find out who I was. Sure. <laughs> I had to find out who I wasn't before I could find there out who is, I was. Right. That, so that's mm. funny you say that. So before I ever got invited to go preach my first youth conference, God was calling me to sacrifice. Brother Dinkins was actually a part of this, and I was praying a very specific prayer, God, uh, and I'm not going to get into detail with everything that it was, but I was praying very specific prayers on what I needed God to do to confirm. And I was being carnal. I'll be honest with you. I, I was praying. I, I had knew, knew the answer, but I, w- I didn't accept the answer, and I was like, God, you got to get a little more specific. I'll be car- I was carnal. I'll, I'll admit it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I prayed specific prayers because I believe, I believe that you should never settle for anything less than what you pray for. Yeah. If you pray a specific prayer, don't you get a specific you get answer. A, you get a specific answer and yeah. don't settle for anything less. Yeah. And so I was praying that prayer, and, and, and long story short, God was calling me to sacrifice some things in my life. And the moment that God confirmed that for me, and I made that sacrifice. Yeah. God opened the door to go preach my first conference. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, an altar is not a beautiful place. Oh, no. An, an altar, it's a bloody place. An, an altar is, not, is not a glorified place. It's yeah. not set up in a high Smelly. place. Smelly. The altars are not made out of hewn stone. No. Yeah. They're ugly. They're not meant to be pretty. They're not meant to be, you know, and altars aren't even meant to be in a public place. There are some altars that you've got to find in your private times. Absolutely. And I built an altar, and I remember exactly where I built that altar, and I go to that altar every time I'm dealing with something. I built an altar in the back of our church, and I and I, I went to that altar, and I made that sacrifice that day. And and, and, and when you and when you do that, you know, when you when you when you finally make up in your mind that God, I am I'm going to do whatever I have to do. To pursue the calling of God. Yeah. 
<clears throat> when you make that vow in your mind and you set your mind to it and you say, God, I'm not moving off of this. Yeah. But before I started evangelizing, and that's, man, that's incredible. That's so, that's so good. Um, before I started evangelizing, I assisted my pastor for seven years. Yeah. Just wow. served him and did literally whatever he needed me to do for seven mm-hmm. years. And there's one question that he would ask me throughout the course of those seven years. And if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. And it's yeah. a question that holds me accountable personally still to this day. And that question was, how bad do you want it? Come on. When I didn't want to sweep the parking lot, when I didn't want to vacuum the sanctuary. And he wasn't going to buy you no gas blower. No, he wasn't. I had to to sweep it with a a hand broom. Yep. And we have a church of, you know, it's big enough to hold six, seven hundred people. Yeah. And so you can just imagine a parking lot of that size. When I didn't feel like washing his vehicles. He just wanted to see if you'd do it. He just, he would ask me, how bad do you want it? How bad? How bad? Do you want to be in the ministry? Yep. And when I didn't feel like praying, when I didn't feel like fasting, when I didn't feel like studying, that question would come to mind. How bad do you want it? And still to this day, that that question is there every day of my life. How bad do you want it? Um, the 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 when when God gave um, Moses the the law, but the order and the uh, the architecture of how to build an altar. He said, don't make it out of hewn stone uh, and don't build it with stairs where the man of God walks up it that they yeah. can see under his cloak. Yeah. Well, why? Why could it not be built bigger and bigger? I know I know what you've heard me teach, but God just showed me this, um, is that is that the, the altar is a bloody, nasty place, and we don't want to elevate uh, our sacrifice place um, in the eyes of everyone else. Uh, definitely your sacrifice needs to be elevated in your own eyes because your sacrifice needs to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's what God just showed me was when he creates Adam, he creates Eve, he brings them together and he says, whoa, this is woman. Um, and they were naked and they were not ashamed. As soon as they entered into rebellion, which now sacrifice is required. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first thing God, do, the first thing they did wow. was they covered their sexual reproductive parts with fig leaves. And as soon as God sees them and finds them in the garden, because they didn't meet him in the secret place, they were hiding behind uh, uh, the trees. He grabs those aprons and rips them off of them. Yeah. And he says, that's not what I'm clothing you in because that doesn't clothe you enough. Now watch, I'm not talking about pants and skirts and shorts and all. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen to what I'm saying. So when he, when he comes to the institution of the altar, which is going to be the tabernacle in the wilderness, which is going to be the plan that is going to take us to the cross. Yeah. Okay. Um, everything before the tabernacle in the wilderness or the sanctuary where God could dwell among us was one method and then added to that method. The first sacrifice was the animals were ripped apart and they covered them in skins. He clothed them proper and holy the way he says proper and holy is. Let's don't just cover your sexual reproductive parts, but let's make it to where your 
uh, secret places are not seen. Yeah. Okay. By everyone looking on. Now, follow me here. Okay. Then he adds to uh, Cain and Abel with the with an altar that's built and the blood sacrifice. Then uh, comes Noah. Then uh, um, uh, calls Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They all sacrifice the same until they get delivered out of Egypt. And now he institutes the sacrificial institution where he could literally come and dwell in a place with them. But the first thing he tells Moses about the altar is don't build something where you climb up. Okay. And here's what God just showed me was when you are willing to sacrifice, when you are willing to um, make yourself vulnerable Sacrifice is all about vulnerability. I trust you, therefore I lay everything down. And now watch this. The very first plan of God was for them to be naked and not ashamed. To stay naked and not ashamed in the presence of God meant I have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Okay? But then everything after they were naked and ashamed is about hiding your naked flesh. I mean, now watch this. If they were to build stairs to the altar, then so what is the mantle of anointing in the Old Testament? It was a robe. It was a a cloak, a scarf, if you will, that they put on. And, And it hung all the way down. But what it did was everything under that mantle was the covering to protect the anointed. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. Okay. If I climb the stairs up and you can see up my skirt, you see pieces and parts of the anointed beyond the anointing. Yeah. You follow me? I sure do. Okay, now, but if I sacrifice holy, proper, and acceptable by being not conformed of this world, but by being transformed, okay, then when I sacrifice and you see the anointing, you only see the part of the anointed that God intended for you to see. Yeah. His face. Yeah. And when the anointing is bigger than the anointed, you don't see the anointed. You see the one that the anointing came from. Yeah. It was never meant to look beyond the mantle. Yeah. They were never supposed to take their clothes off and dance around the altar. Ever since God revealed to Adam and Eve, because of rebellion, because they had now something between them, now it's all about hiding my flesh. And what did Moses have to cover when he came down off the mountain? He had to cover his face. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Don't, you know, we, we look too much at the anointed without looking at the anointing and the giver of the anointing. Now, the anointed had to sacrifice to get that anointing, but we put way too much stock on a person rather than yeah, the source. Well, when you were talking about the, the steps to go up to the sure. altar, that was course that's in exodus 20 where god's giving moses right. instructions on personal altars but he said don't lift up a tool upon these stones right these stones need to be made out of their their natural created state yeah because when you lift your tool upon it you pollute it what he was saying was 
is you're mixing what you can produce with what I can produce. <laughs> there you go, yes. And what they would do is, is when you study that, he was talking about what the Egyptians and the Gentiles would do, is when they built their altars to worship their idols, yeah, exactly they would right. lift the tool upon those that's stones, right. and mm -hmm. they would turn them into perfectly squared blocks. That's right. And they would polish them until they were shiny and smooth. And they would use those stones that they built with their skill and their talent and their ability to create steps to the altar. Uh -huh. So they wow. were using their talent on, to man. elevate themselves at a place they were supposed to die. <laughs> mm -hmm. And God said, when you do that, your nakedness is uncovered. You get out from under your covering. Oh, you get out from under your covering the fastest. When you try to elevate and promote yourself. There you go. Yep. Yep. The Bible said that Noah was an husbandman and had a vineyard. Right. And then it says he was in his tent and got drunk with wine and his nakedness was exposed. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is where did he get that wine? Noah got drunk on his own success mm -hmm. and got out from under his covering. Holy. You know, Man. the the first two pieces of furniture in the tabernacle plan, the tabernacle in the wilderness, was the brazen altar and the brazen water laver, which are both made of brass. Right. They didn't have mirrors back then. When they wanted to see themselves, they would take a shield or something made of brass, and that was the reflective surface. And God made the first, or had Moses make the first two pieces of furniture to where you could see yourself before the blood and you could see yourself after the blood. But once the blood covers you, you no longer see yourself and now you qualify to have the gold elevated in your life. Every other piece of furniture inside the holy place and the holiest of holies gold. was all gold. <clears throat> because once you have the blood applied to your life, it's no longer about you. Sure. You're not even supposed to exist as far as being front and center, you're supposed to do everything behind the blood. And then the blood is what elevates the gold in your life, which is the, the candlesticks is the Holy Ghost. And then because I sanctified by devouring the showbread, the word of God, now I qualify because the showbread, the word of God is what will make you a worshiper. Beautiful. But because I'm a worshiper and the gold is elevated in my life, I can now lift holy hands acceptable unto God and be a son or a daughter of praise without the world binding me up, hindering me, and holding my arms down. Now I can have a, uh, how do you say it, Trey, an outward expression of an inward love? That's it. The inward love has got to be worship. That's right. And then the outward expression has got to be praise. That's right. But then once you start to praise, God inhabiteth the praises of his people. And now comes... Right. The glory of God shining down on you. And guess what? They don't see you no more. That's right. They don't see you no more. Wow. That's it. Mm. Well, <laughs> usually our episodes are about 45 minutes. But since, <laughs> since we got someone so famous with us, we had to go just oh, a little yeah. bit longer. We just had to go a little bit longer because we just, you know, it's one of, those, one of those special episodes. Where you just, you know, you get, it's not every day you get to sit next to Hollywood. Bro, that's, that's one of those. That's one of those antichrist statements I was talking about. Yeah, so so hey, no re, no reputation. Hey, man, no we reputation. should introduce him as Big Alter Herring. Big Alter. Praise I'm God. striving for it, man. I'm not there. Well, man, brother, I, I, this isn't my podcast, but I want to say on this podcast, yeah, brother Herring, 
first off, I love your ministry. Me too. Oh, I appreciate you. your prayer life. Yes. I appreciate your sacrifice and the way you carry the glory Absolutely. and the anointing. Um, you are, I'm older than you, but I consider you a voice in my life. And I am a voice or really the voice in Trey's life. But I want you to be a voice in his life. And I say that publicly. I haven't even told you this in private. And I want you to get to know him. I want you to get, because he, you don't need just me. You don't need just us here. You need more that's got it going on. Uh, I'm not an evangelist as far as a traveling evangelist. I, I'm, a, I'm a local evangelist. Yeah. And uh, you need more voices than just me, than just Brother Young, than just Brother than just yeah. your family. That's right. And, and this... I trust him is yeah. what I'm trying to say. I trust him. Yeah. And I don't just give you to anybody. Yeah. I don't just give my young men to anybody. I trust this man right here. Yeah. And Brother Herring, I appreciate your friendship Absolutely. with me. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Likewise. I really do. Likewise. Man, you're you're so kind and it's an honor it is to serve alongside with both of you guys in the kingdom. And I'm I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast, man. It's been powerful. I've yes. been blessed. Amen. Just by being here. Hey, look, that making it happen was was kind of tricky, but where there's a will, there's a way. That's it, bro. That's yeah. it. And, and yeah. brother Harry, I want to do. I do want to thank. You. I mean, it literally just hit twelve o'clock. One, one monkey don't stop the so, show, does it? No, it, it. it really don't. I'm sorry, bro, but it don't. But uh, no, I do. I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I, I hope whoever was listening today, yes, would would realize and really take it to heart. A, a couple of things. Number one. How bad do you want it? Yeah. How, how bad do you want it? Mm. And secondly, when you listen to this, I want you to think about who you're not. Yeah. So that you can find out who you are. That's yeah. right. And, and and so, Brother Herring, I do want to thank you so much for for joining the podcast. And, and before we end, I want you to can you, I want you to pray over us and and pray us out and 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 just do your thing. Lord, we love you. We thank you yes, for the God. vision that you've given these young men to begin this podcast. You know each and every life that this podcast is reaching. And I pray right now that you would liberate a generation, God, from the pressure of trying to be someone they're not. And I pray that you would lose the revelation of who they are not so that they can step into the revelation of who they are. Let them make up their minds that they're willing to pay any price for the anointing and for the glory. And I pray that every day they would live, God, that they would ask the question, how bad do I want it? And let them answer that question with an altar. Let them answer that question with prayer. Let them answer that question with sacrifice. Loose the anointing of the Holy Ghost on this generation and let it be an anointing that destroys the yoke and breaks the burden. Let it be an anointing that shifts the atmosphere. Let it be an anointing that takes them far more than fast. Let it be an anointing that advances the kingdom at a more rapid rate than ever before. We believe it. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray. That you would help a young person in a season of loneliness. That you would wrap their arms around them. And let them know that this season is not punishment, but this season is a season that is ordained and orchestrated of the Holy Ghost. And that you want fellowship with them. And that you want communion with them. And that there are giftings and anointings that will manifest in this season of loneliness. Let them become acquainted with the voice of God. 
For that is the voice that is most important in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, you've been listening to the Steadfast Devotion Podcast. And before we end, we want to end you off with three very special words. You have purpose. See you guys. Oh, man. That was awesome. Praise God. Praise God. That was good. Boy, we long-winded.